Good morning. Um, like Rich said, my name is Ben Spivey. I'm the RUF campus minister in Lynchburg. Um, I'm a little bit sick, and I don't know if it's like a trick of my ears being kind of stopped up or not, but I think I sound like a cowboy today, and I don't normally sound like that. But along with that, I will have like pubescent voice cracks also, so I'm going to be somewhere between like Marlboro Man and eighth grader. Um, I also may have to just like really clear it from time to time, so please bear with me. Um, I'm here today to speak with you guys about the family of Jesus, and we're going to do that from the Gospel of Mark and uh, chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. I don't know if that's behind me or not. Is it behind? It is. Okay. Um, Mark 3, 31 through 35. I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll pray uh, and talk about this together. And his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us um, to know you better today, that you would help us to hear your word, to see what Jesus is doing, and to hear what he is saying. Lord, help us draw us into yourself more and more, into communion with you, and into deeper communion with each other here in your family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, we did this... Uh, we did the whole book of Mark actually last spring with RUF and Lynchburg and we approached it um, as a series of questions. So I, I say we did the whole book of Mark. You know, we, we went from beginning to end. Thank you. That's helpful. We went from beginning to end looking at different questions that Jesus asked uh, and different questions that were asked of him and how those got answered. Uh, and so we, we did that through the lens with this passage of like, who am I and who are my people? Uh, I'm not going to frame it necessarily as, as a question today, but I do want us to consider who are our people? Who, who is our family? And first and foremost, it starts out with Jesus. Our, our relationship with Jesus is central to everything that we are and everything that not only we are as individuals, but that we are as a community of believers, and not just here at Hope of Christ or in Stafford, but all around the world, in Ukraine, in Africa, uh, centuries ago and centuries from now. Uh, there is one organizing person to the family of God, and it's Jesus. And interestingly enough, as Jesus is sitting around talking with crowds, he's, he's already been teaching for some time and uh, healing and making Pharisees mad and doing the things that he often does. He, he's challenging something in their culture, right? He's not saying it's the worst necessarily, but we have to understand the strong sort of family attachments that people had in this culture. First century Palestine with its Jewish culture and, and everyone else around it, uh, you had definite sorts of duties to your family. And I think probably we feel those today. They don't come with the same sort of like societal honor and shame, and they don't come with maybe the same sort of weightiness that these people would have felt. But Jesus' biological mother and his brothers and some texts say his sisters, um, in all the verses where that's mentioned, they come to him and they're calling to him as Jesus is carrying on his public ministry. And they say, 
You know, Jesus, we're, we're out here waiting for you. Come on. And people come to him and they tell him this. And he doesn't go, oh, oh, yeah, my family. I've got to do what they say. He goes, well, who are my mother and my brother? Who's my sister? Who's my family? To question that in this time is a really big deal. We have to see that Jesus is modeling something <clears throat> really important for every Christian. And in doing so, he's actually calling us to discipleship. One of the main thrusts of Mark is that Jesus is calling us to follow him. And so he's modeling something really important for each of us. More than our family relationships, our relationship to Jesus claims us and defines us. That's radical in his culture, and in some sense it's radical in our culture because it's not just our families that we think claim us and define us. We have all sorts of things that claim us and define us. Groups that we opt into, our family, our political parties, uh, our sexuality in some cases, and Jesus says, more than anything, you must be my follower. Um, in this case, he's saying there's something bigger and more important than your family. So this really is a call to allegiance to Jesus. He says, I must come before everything else. I must define you. I must be your family. Remember, he's not just saying who his family is. He's, he's modeling something for the Christian. He's modeling something for his disciples. He is even part of something going on around him in this case. He's the very center of it, but he wants to show us how to live and what we are to do who we are to tie ourselves to. And so it's a call to allegiance to Jesus. And it's kind of like getting married, right? Uh, what we have here is like our biological family and then the family of God. But we can liken it to when we get married. We, we leave our biological family. We're intended to, not entirely, not to abandon them, right? But we're intended to take on a new allegiance and a higher allegiance to our spouse, our husband, or our wife. They become our closest tie, our closest bond. They become who we, Lord willing, make children with, who we live with for the rest of our lives, who we make decisions with. And our biological family becomes, in different cultures, maybe it's different things, right? But it, they become less than that in God's design. And Jesus is saying here, Jesus, our bridegroom, is saying, I'm bringing you into a bigger family, I am at the center of this family. And this is what you're called to. You can't be tied to mommy and daddy anymore. I am the one you have to follow. And you're now tied to my people, too. We'll come to that in a minute. But this isn't only a call to allegiance. It's also a gift of definition. I think especially in our world, we, f we forget how important it is to be defined we think we define ourselves. We, Christians buy into this, right? Like, we don't need to have any pretense about, like, well, we don't think we define ourselves. We do. We define ourselves with different things all the time. And we think we can. And Jesus is actually giving us this gift of definition. He's saying, I'll define you. I'll give you everything you need. I will be here with you and for you, and I will draw you into something bigger than yourself with more people, with more family than you could ever imagine. And I will tell you who, are, who you are. I will call you by name. I will give you my name. 
kids, Jesus has done this for you when you got baptized. You got some water put on you, and the minister said, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and he put his name on you. He brought you into his family. He did something bigger. You belong to something bigger, and he gives you the gift of definition. He says, you are a Christian now. You belong to God. You've been taken out of the way you did define yourself and the way Satan wanted you to define yourself. You've been taken from the fall where you were running around with loose ends and phrase and no way to know who you were and you've been brought into a right relationship with God and man and even yourself and now, now you can know who you were always meant to be. And that is with me. You were always meant to be my brother, sister, mother, my child to belong in this community of God. And I think it helps us when we think about definition, when we think about family ties and community, to look again at who is at the center of this, right? Who does Mary and her sons come to call? She comes to call Jesus. And then when he calls into question his cultural norms, he's not just challenging something. Right, like there's another group of people sitting there with Jesus. And let's think about how sweet that is to them when he says, who are my mother and my brothers? It's them, it's you. You are my mother and my brothers. I claim you. Like he's sitting around the poor and the wretched prostitutes and tax collectors and like, people smelled back then, too. You know, even just, like, simple stuff like that, we forget. And he's like, these are the closest people to me, and I love them, and I claim them. So Jesus claims us as his brothers and sisters and mothers, even as he calls us to make him our greatest priority in life. And in doing so, he relates, uh, he relates us each to each other. And Jesus says that for him, his family is that group of sinners sitting around him. And if it's true for Jesus, it must be true for us. When we ask, who are my people? Who is my family? We have to have the same answer as Jesus. We have to follow our Lord and accept the wonderful gift that he's given us. Who are my people? Who is my family? My family is third century Africans and modern day Chinese and um, you guys and Christians. That's my family. This may seem weird to us <clears throat> because maybe especially in Reformed circles, in Presbyterian circles, we put such a big emphasis on family, you know, um, at Mercy, where I go to church in Lynchburg, there's at least three families with six kids or more. And that's great. Like, that's wonderful. And I, it's, well, it's wonderful for them. I'm not having six kids, but, um, but it's wonderful, really. <clears throat> but we put such a big emphasis on our family and the order of our family and getting married. And, you know, there's, that's what people do. But there's something more going on here, right? And Jesus is not saying that biological family no longer matters at all. He's not abandoning his family. Jesus is not breaking the fifth commandment or encouraging anybody else to. 
He still wants us to honor our father and mother, our biological father and mother. He still wants us to be good friends to people and, and have children and do things that lots of people do, but not everybody does, right? And, but he wants us to honor our families and be part of them and be part of um, biological family ties. Right, Paul goes on to say in the New Testament that there are still these ties and that they matter very much to God and to his kingdom. And Jesus is not saying that family ties don't matter. Right, he even sees to it on the cross that his mother is taken care of. That's one of his last acts. What he wants us to see, though, is that there is something deeper than just our biological families. There's something greater than the tie we have, uh, even through our marriage. There's something bigger to be caught up into. He says this other tie is so important uh, that we actually have to choose him over our family when it comes to it. Later in the book of Mark, he's going to say, I have not come to bring peace. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Our relationship to Jesus and his church may even mean strife with our own family sometimes. That Jesus and his family, his kingdom, have to take priority over our own is not easy, but it's what he's called us to. And I don't want us to forget, and we're going to come back to this several times, but I don't want us to forget while we're here that the promise, though, is him, is being with him. And he gives us more than we can imagine. Uh, as we think about this, as the, the people of God, the, the church of God, the family of God, I want us to remember that our strongest tie to other people is objective. We think that like our, our cells and genetics and shared features are objective, right? But this is more than that. Our greatest tie to other people is Jesus. There's nothing more powerful than that, nothing more important than that. Feel it or not, if you are one with Jesus, you're one with his people. That's really hard for some of us because we've been hurt by other Christians or we've been hurt by the institution of the church. Um, thanks to modern news, we hear about it all the time, how we're hurt by the institution of the church. And it's so important for us to remember that the church is this messed up group of people who's not related to each other just because we want to be or because that's what's best for us in some sense, although in God's economy it is. But we're related to each other through our Savior. And I'll point you to where Jesus says, uh, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I want us to consider that as we think about the sinners standing around Jesus and the sinners gathered in this church building today. Um, there are different types of if statements, right? Some of them are um, conditional, meaning like if then, uh, if you do this, this sort of condition. What, what we often think when we read this, I'll just give you the, what I'm going at here. What we often think when we read con, uh, statements like this in the scriptures is, well, if I do this, that qualifies me to be Jesus' family. If I do the will of God, that must then qualify me Rather than a qualification, Jesus is saying something more like a quality. <laughs> the people who do the will of God do not earn 
God's love. They do not win their place into God's family. Rather, it is the people who are in God's family who do the will of God. The first act of the will of God is to believe. And from that follows what I think Jesus actually is saying in his call to discipleship is doing the things that he does. But I think it helps to think of it like this. When we think of children, um, man, neither of my children look like me. Uh, some of you, okay, I was going to say, like, my children look like me, and they don't. Um, two look just like their mom, and one is adopted. And uh, some of you, though, have children who look like you. And you'll, you'll understand this, right? You see your children, uh, and you see yourself in them when you look at their faces. But maybe more than that, and this is where I see my children mostly, is like my little boy's a lot like me in so many ways. And it's come from nurture. It's come from him being around me and from us spending time together, he does what I do. He does the will of his father in a sense, right? Like, that's messy and gross, but like, you see what I'm saying. He does what I do because he is like me, because he is my son. And over time, he'll probably do more of what I do to my chagrin. Um, but, that's, but that's the thing. He, he does what I do because he's in my family, not to get in. This sort of conditional statement Jesus is saying, he's saying like, yeah, my people do what I do, not they earn being in my family. And I think actually this is why I bring this up right in this particular place where maybe it doesn't seem to make sense. I think for each of us, if, if we can remember this, whether our relationship with uh, God's people is a good one or a bad one, whether it comes with lots of hurt or lots of joy or a mixture of both, we can remember that there is a hope for God's people in this present world. There is definitely our future hope where this will all be made so small, where healing will come in the face of Jesus. But there's a hope even now that God's people do the will of God, that he is sanctifying us, that he is changing us. And even while we do things in the messiest way, and we often don't do those things, we walk in the path of God. We walk with Jesus. Where Jesus' people are, there we'll find him. While they are doing the things that he does. This sort of action ought to define us. It should give us some understanding of what the church is and should be, but also hope for what it could be. So the church... Uh, this is where the Christian finds her people in the church. We're part of something bigger and more important even than our biological families, and we are given membership in the community of God's church by our relationship to Jesus. It's here that we find so much. It's here that we find the sacraments and communion with other believers and even God himself among his people. And as I understand it, you guys have had the opportunity to do this recently. To come alongside each other, comfort each other, do the will of God, embrace each other, pray for each other, and uphold each other. And that's exactly the will of God, that you would do that, that you would wrap your arms around each other and lift one another up in prayer and be there for each other. that Jesus' disciples would be known 
by their love for one another. Continue in that. In what Christ has called you to, not only to follow him, but to be with each other. To be family to each other. To be one another's comfort. To sustain each other. Um, so first, this, this whole relationship, um, it's oriented around Jesus. And in by relationship to Jesus, we're in relationship with his people. And our relationship with his people is centered around him. And I want us to remember uh, that this all starts with Jesus calling people who follow him his family. And what a sweet blessing that is. First, we have to remember that those people he calls his family are the ones who do his will. But like we said, that doesn't mean doing his will gets them anything. It doesn't earn them anything. We don't become Jesus' family by doing his will. We become his family, then do his will. Or if you like, we do become his family by doing his will. But again, the first part of doing his will is believing in him. Matthew and John both say that the will of God is that you believe in the Son of God. And then you walk in his ways. It's not earning something, but it's taking on his family likeness. And then we have to remember that Jesus is modeling this new relationship for us. He's not just saying it. He's, he's doing it. As he sits here, as he sits teaching, and as he sits among these people who don't deserve him, who don't do his will, certainly not perfectly, who are maybe just beginning to do his will, but he loves and he claims as his own. His biological family comes to him and he claims a bunch of other people as his family. And we have to remember that he came from heaven to do this. He came down from heaven, from his perfect place with his father, with the Holy Spirit, where he had been in perfect communion with them forever. And he came down to seek a family. And he wasn't just content to call us his family. He doesn't sit around and just say over and over, they're my family. See, I like them. I, cho I choose these people. Right? This isn't like a you can pick your friends and you can pick your boogers, but you can't pick your friends' boogers sort of thing. He doesn't just say it. He doesn't just... Right? This is not a, this is not a platitude for him. He made us his family. He was so intent on making us his family he was so desirous of making us his family that he went to the cross to do so. Ultimately, he made us right with God so that God would be our father, so that we would have one father with him. Jesus spared nothing to make us his own, to make us his family. And in his call to discipleship, it's really only the mystery of the cross that makes any sense of it, right? That he would call us to abandon our families or that in his holy will, he would do what we can never predict to our families. That he would seem to dash us in pieces and none of it, none of it seems to make sense. Except that it was also his holy will that he would send his own son so that we could be his children. 
And that's what we're left with. Not that we are God's family because of something that rests in us or something that we can do, but because of what he's done for us. We don't know that we're his family. We don't know that he loves us because of any circumstance around us, but because of the cross. He points us over and over again to Jesus, crucified and resurrected, so that we can be one with him, so that we can be with him forever, so that this messy group of people who sings off key and has squeaky boots like C.S. Lewis says will maybe sometimes be pushed together here but enjoy each other's company one day in glory and all do it while beholding the wonderful face of Jesus our family Uh, let's pray and then we will continue worship Lord Jesus, we thank you for being our family. We thank you that you have come to seek us out and that you uh, would not be ashamed to call us your brothers and your sisters and your mother. And we thank you that you have separated yourself uh, from your own father, that you have taken his wrath so that he could be our father too. We pray that you would help us daily to live out uh, the call to the family that you've given us and the hope of being with you, um, our real family, our God, our Father, our brother, and all your people one day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.